Luke chapter 14, and uh, I want to begin with a bit of a summary, and then we're going to read a few verses together. Uh, Jesus is, uh, you know, we've been walking with Him uh, from uh, the ninth chapter, verse 51, when uh, describes Jesus resolutely setting His face toward Jerusalem. And Luke is trying to explain that at least the way he's detailing out the gospel, that there's a shift happening, um, at least in uh, the work of Jesus at that point, that He is now focused upon the reason for which He came. And that is to go to the cross, to die for your sin and mine, and to begin to enact all that we celebrate and remember here in a few weeks around Holy Week, Good Friday, Easter morning, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So he resolutely, he, he fixes his jaw and he fixes his gaze upon Jerusalem and nothing, nothing will deter him from completing his task. And it wasn't by accident, this was the gospel that Rich talked about, the gospel that church planners around the world are engaged in, that you and I are living in, are invited into. And uh, in chapter 14, we, we pick up the idea where Jesus is, uh, he has the opportunity on a Sabbath day to heal a person, to actually bring physical healing. And uh, the religious leaders of the day, they knew that for them in their religious structure, that uh, Sabbath day was not for such work. You could do that six days of the week, but not on that particular day. And Jesus fussed at them because they had substituted a, a pursuit of a real and personal relationship with God for the rules of religious practice. And so part of what was going on with them is that they would outwardly have all of these motions going on, that they're religiously significant, activities galore, and all of those things, but inwardly they were not being renewed and touched and, and brought to life in Christ. And so he talk, starts by talking about the Sabbath, and then he gives a great caution. And here's the caution, because we are human. You're human, right? Here's one of the great dangers in our human existence. It is to, be, to find ourselves in seasons of self-absorption. You ever found yourself there? This is one of the great cautions. He gives a couple of parables that, that discourage us, or at least invite us to consider being aware of when we are being overly self absorbed and self-focused. And he gives two antidotes for it. One is uh, teaching about humility and how important humility is, both in our relating to God, but also in our relating to each other. Don't you love it when somebody walks up to you and they wear on their lapel uh, bragging about all their accomplishments? They talk to you about all of their great things. And those aren't exactly the types of people that you're really warm and fuzzy to. Why? Because it doesn't engender strong and intimate relationships and a desire to be in deep friendship with one another. So humility is really important, both in our approach to God, but also in the way that we relate to each other. And then he encourages us toward selflessness, that, that the actions and activities of our lives ought to more and more be done not for our own benefit or because it somehow will circle back to provide good for me, but that we increasingly so will do things for the benefit of others just because. Just because it's a good thing to do. Just because they are in need. We are to be people that increasingly are selfless types of people. And then he comes to the, the part of the passage that I want us to focus on. And it's uh, titled in a lot of Bibles with a little subtext called The Parable of the Great Banquet. And instead of being self-absorbed, and instead of just the contrary of the two aspects that he's cautioned us about... It describes God as being completely outward-focused. 
as God as being one who seeks out those because of His great love. And, and He goes out everywhere to call people into relationship with Him. Calls people into coming to be seated at His banquet table. Here's, here's what happens in uh, verse 15 of Luke 14. When one of those, they were having a dinner party, one of those at the table with Jesus heard, heard this, He said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. I think what he's focused on, the question or the, the statement is sort of puffing himself up, demonstrating how theologically astute he was, but Jesus wants him to know that the kingdom of God isn't some future abstraction. It's not just something that we're waiting for in the by and by. Jesus, in part here, is wanting us to know that the kingdom of God is right here, right now. The kingdom of God is something that we are invited into right now. The kingdom of God is here and now. It's something that we engage in here and now. We're invited to participate and taste here and now. Jesus replied to him in verse 16, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and must go and see to it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Have you ever thought about some of the excuses or the reasons you have offered God, maybe at different times of your life, for not fully engaging yourself in the fullness of His kingdom? Maybe He's called you into something and you've refused or just been so scared and reluctant to take a step of faith and to say yes. What are the, the excuses that you give for maybe not following through when the Holy Spirit is prompting and stirring your heart toward an action or toward a conversation and, and you refuse those moments? What, what, how is it for you when you say, uh, thanks, but no thanks? God, I want you to work in my life. He gives you an opportunity. No thanks. God, I want you to work in my life. He gives me an opportunity. It's not the right time. I wonder how many opportunities we miss because of a reluctance to move in the timing of God. Verse 21, The servant came back and reported all this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you've ordered has been done, but there's still more room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is God's great invitation. Do you see the, the difference in the way God approaches the kingdom? The way He views the kingdom? It's out of great generosity. It's out of this great passion that, that His invitation would go out and that many would hear and that they would respond and come so that they could sit down at the feast of the kingdom of God and be part of it right now, today. This is why mission call, the call of mission still goes out around the world to every culture and language and people. I've been so blessed to be introduced recently to a, a Bible translation ministry that's their goal is uh, within a few years' time to at least begin translating the Bible into every known language on earth so that every person in their heart language will have the Scripture given to them in their own hands. This is why the call of missions exists right in your own neighborhood, right in your next-door neighbor, across your street, 
I'm really a firm believer, and I, and I fail at this a lot. I don't do as much as I, I would like to do, or even as much as I talk about sometimes. God, forgive me. But I think God has placed you and me very purposely where you live because there is somebody or multiple bodies in your vicinity that He wants to work uniquely through you to touch, uniquely through you to communicate and embody the gospel because that is part of your being part of His messenger system to go out into all the world. This is why... uh, Church planners are still going out today around the Bay Area, people like Ali, people like uh, the Cunninghams and Santa Cruz and, and other places to take the gospel message, to embody it, and to invite others into it. This is why the North American Mission Board and others exist around uh, North America, the U.S. and Canada, so that churches and the gospel uh, might go forth and strength. This is why we are uh, seeking in this year to renew and to ask God to rekindle a mission passion for us globally as well. Because it's not an either or. It's not focusing here at the neglect of the world, but it's not also going over to the ends of the earth and neglect of where we are right here. It's, It's finding a way as a church to do both. It's both and. And so that's why we're asking you to be in prayer about participating in about a 10-day trip to Brussels and seek what the Lord would have you do. The kingdom has come. It is here and now. God's kingdom, what is it? It's about identity. Being part of the kingdom of God is about your identity. It's about knowing... Uh, who you are and who God is and to whom you belong. It's about sitting at a table. And we, we, we symbolize that regularly here about once a month in our church. We're going to do it again in about three weeks at Monday, Thursday, where we sit around the Lord's Supper table kind of symbolically. But it's an opportunity and, uh, to, to come together. And it's not just a, a reminder of who God is and what He's done on the cross, although it is certainly that, significantly so. But you know, God, there's an expectation in our worship and an expectation when we gather together, especially around the Lord's Supper table, that we are looking for purity in our personal relationships. And, and we seek to be, be whole and, and healed in those relationships. And, and God invites us every time we gather in worship to examine our hearts and, and to say, you know, if we have strife between a brother or sister, we are to, to leave our altar, our gift at the altar, and go and be reconciled. Because it's about knowing, being part of the kingdom is about knowing to whom we belong. The significant people that are, is an expression of the kingdom of God right here in this church. Knowing to whom we belong is so significant. And knowing to, uh, that we are God's. That God is still in the adoption business. Did you know that God still runs the largest adoption agency in, in the cosmos? Did you know that? That God is still in the process of adopting sons and daughters into His family. I love what the old preacher used to say, that God has no grandchildren. Did you know that? God only has sons and daughters. Because we do not become a follower of Christ because our parents were or our grandparents were. As blessed as having a heritage of faith is, and it is blessed. But God desires for each person individually to enter into His kingdom to adopt you. And so it's about identity. It's about knowing that you are a son of God, a daughter of God, and that you are a brother and a sister or a sister within the community of faith right here. It's about knowing your identity. That's what the kingdom is about. The kingdom is participatory and not observatory. It's participation and not observation only. I love um, when I was getting to know Susie, I 
<laughs> got to know, I hope you're not going to be mad for sharing this story. <laughs> you won't be. It's, it's fun. <laughs> she was, as she was exploring what she would study in school, she went off to university and she thought initially that she would go into astrophysics. And um, she, she had uh, a romantic idea of what it is to gaze into the heavens and uh, to be wowed at the, the colors and all of that. And she had a work term at an observatory in British Columbia. And she didn't take her very long before she realized that all the romance of obser- you know, gazing into the heavens faded away. Because she realized that it was largely just telescopes connected to computers that spit out a lot of information that you just kind of, they were crunching all the numbers and it was kind of a, a bland idea. Am I right? All right, good. All right. I know my wife. That's good. But what, what she did find herself is she began to say, well, what will I do then? Is that that's what led her into medical physics eventually because it was the applied end of things. It was putting your hands on uh, a, a way of treating through that, that uh, desire and love of physics and being able to, to do something active with it. And, and in many ways, that's what the kingdom of God is about. It's participatory and not observatory. It's participation. It's about you and me together rolling up our sleeves and engaging with our hands, hands on, in the ministries of God. It's helping and serving and loving in the way that God desires. You know, there's no room for nominal Christianity. I I haven't heard that term in a while, and I'm so grateful. (laughs) Because to me, it doesn't make sense. I have no mental category for the, the two terms put side by side, nominal Christianity. That just doesn't make sense to me. That's observation type thing, not participation thing. God invites you and me to be participants in the kingdom of God, to be active and responsive and engaged, to plant our life among a real group of Christians and to walk with them. Are they perfect communities? Is this a perfect community? I don't think it is. In fact, I'm quite sure it's not. I know that as of about nine years ago when I became a member, I know for certain that it was not or no longer perfect if it ever was. And you know what the truth is that when you and I join together, it's an imperfect community, but we learn to walk with God. Here's the third thing about God's kingdom. It's, it's identity and it's participatory, but it also allows you and me to peek at what the forever banquet of God is to come. The kingdom of God is right here, right now. We partake in right now the goodness. We taste and see that God is good. But it's, it's a small glimpse of what the forever and the goodness of the forever banquet with God is going to be. I had an opportunity many years ago. Remember the movie The Passion of the Christ? When it was first coming out, uh, I got an invitation along with many, many others uh, to go to Saddleback Church in Southern California to watch a, a screening of the film. And it was great. And I got up 4 a.m., drove down, got there just in time, got met with my brother and a few other friends, and, and we went and watched it. It was great. But you know what the film was missing? It was missing the special effects. And, it, you know, it did ruin the movie. It, it just kind of added to it. But there were portions of it toward the end when, when the satanic picture, the person, uh, there's this great change of, of uh, the face and the eyes and all sorts of things. There were, there were little subtleties in the film that were missed along the way because those special effects hadn't been added in. I noticed when I went to watch the film at the theater when everything was complete and all of a sudden I could see the fullness of what was intended in the movie. And being part of God's kingdom right here, right now, is a little bit like going to watch that screening of the film. You, you know what it is, you, you participate in it, you, you revel in, in what it is and what the message and, and the reality of it, but, but there's more to come. 
There's more to come at the fullness of God's kingdom. And that's part of what stirs our hearts and keeps our eyes and our minds and our hearts heavenward. Because the Bible tells us time and again to not set our things just on the things of earth, right? Being just self-absorbed, but to fix our eyes on Jesus and to set our minds on things above so that we know and we're learning consistently what it is to walk with Christ and tasting the goodness of His kingdom and waiting for and longing for the final fulfillment of that kingdom to be known in reality. God's kingdom, it's this great invitation. You're invited to be participants in it, not just observers. And so God calls us missionally right where you live, our church right here in Marin County, more and more as we move forward around the Bay Area, across this continent, and to the ends of the earth. Missions continues to go. God's kingdom continues to go in so many different ways, and we are participants in it. I hope you are. I hope you're enjoying the reality of sitting at the table, and I hope that you will increasingly pursue and ask God how you can be one who goes out as an inviter, to go out as a herald, to go out to invite and to share the good news of Christ and to invite people into the love of Jesus. Because I still think God's primary way, His primary way of communicating His love of others is through people like you and me. If you're continuing to read in Luke, and you'll read in Luke 15, the the stories of the... You remember the prodigal son story? That's the third of three stories of uh, things that were lost that were now found again. And the joy in heaven, it describes angels celebrating in heaven when one who is lost and far from God has been recovered and they're brought back into the loving embrace of the living God. And God's primary way continues to be to express that love to other people, to go out into the highways and the byways, into your life and into your world, and to say, this is the God who loves you. This is the Jesus who died for you. And this is how you can be part of His community. And so I pray and hope that we will all find ways of doing that increasingly so. Father, we pray this day for that reality. We thank You that You are a God who's not inward-focused, that You are a God who turns Your love outward. That's why creation happened. We are only here because You loved us. And it is only for love that Jesus came to the world. It is only for love that He would die and sacrifice Himself so that we might, in His death, our, our deadly realities could be replaced and we might know the life that He offers. It's because of love. And the people around us primarily will know about Your love in the way that we demonstrate it to them in the way that we love each other in this place, and in our willingness to go out and to communicate the gospel, to share it with people, to invite them to your banquet table right here, right now, so that they can enjoy it now and long for the final fulfillment of all that you are preparing for us. We pray it now, Jesus, in your name and for your sake. Amen.